The first reading comes from Hebrew, chapter 9, verses 11 to 14. But when Christ came as a high priest of the good things that have come, then though the greater and perfect tent, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, he entered once for all into the holy place, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls, with the sprinkling of the ashes of a heifer, sanctifies those who have been defiled, so that their flesh is purified, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to worship the living God? This is the word of the Lord. Lord Jesus Christ, according to Mark. Glory to you, O Lord. Mark chapter 12, reading from verse 28. One of the scribes came near and heard them disputing with one another. And seeing that Jesus answered them well, he asked him, Which commandment is the first of all? Jesus answered, The first is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God. The Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Then the scribe said to him, You are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one and besides him there is no other. And to love him with all the heart, and with all the understanding, and with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself. This is much more important than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. After that, no one dared to ask him, any question. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. I'm sure um, we'll sort out that sonic noise, but let's pray before I continue. Father, thank you. Thank you for the joy of your presence with us. Thank you that you are here in this place. And Lord, I ask that you will take my words, the words that you gave me, and fashion them in such a way that they will hit the right spot in the individuals they're meant for. Lord, may your anointing transform my inadequate words into your praise and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. Right at the beginning of the service today, we said the Shema together. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy might. That's the Shema, the bit of the Torah, which many Jews regard as the most important prayer in Judaism. Because it reminds them there is only one God but also places emphasis on the covenant 
That is the agreement that God made with the Jewish people. The need to follow the mitzvot, the commandments, and the importance of loving God. Many Jews say the Shema three times a day. And perhaps we as Christians should as well. Shema Israel. It literally means listen, heed, or hear and do Israel. Hear and do Israel. People of God, hear and do. The Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. All thine heart, all thine soul and all thine might. I remember many years ago now being in a house group before we came to St. Paul's where we were discussing what it means to give God priority above all else in our life. And one mother in our group spoke up and said, I couldn't place God above my children. I couldn't place God above my children. Yet saints, that's exactly what the Shema calls us to do to place God and to love God above everything else in our lives even our loved ones, our children it's an unnatural to our human ears but that's exactly what God demands of you as his saint that you love him with all your heart with all your soul, with all your mind with all your strength above all else even your family your job, your possessions, anything else in your life. So how do we do this almost impossible thing to love God above our children? How do we put God above all else? Well, the good news is that we don't do this in the dark, not knowing who God is, not knowing what his nature is like. Far from that, we know what he's like. Because Jesus has displayed him to us through his earthly ministry. The God who loves to heal. The God who loves to set free. The God who restores us to relationship with himself. Who makes us whole. Who takes away our guilt, our shame. Who fills us with his joy and his love and his peace. In other words, the God who is good all the time. Who wants the very best for each one of us. Because I believe that the only way we can truly give God complete preeminence in our lives is if we believe that putting him above the interests of even our children is okay. Okay, because we believe and trust that he loves our children far more than we do as parents or grandparents for that matter. He loves our children or our grandparents or our grandchildren or our loved ones far more than we ever will. I recollect a fellow priest sharing his story with me once of having to move from Yorkshire to Kent at a critical stage of his children's education. His daughter was about to enter the sixth form and did not want to move. And humanly, most of us would say, the wisest thing would be to wait another two years until she'd finished school. Yet God's call to my friend was insistent. 
And indeed, the job he was going, moving to, would probably not have been available in two years' time. So he and his wife decided they could not disregard the insistent call. It was so clear. God speaking to them, God speaking to others. The insistent call from God to go. And so they decided to move south. To near Tunbridge Wells, in fact. Well, the daughter was angry. Refused to move. And insisted on staying back up north. Finding a friend, school friend, whose family were happy to have her stay on. It was a painful rift for my friend, but he knew he had to be faithful to the call from God. Three or four years later, the estranged daughter admitted to her parents that they'd been right. That it was okay, that she was wrong to have pressurized them to stay back in their old parish. The family was knitted again. And of course, in the meantime, God had used my friend to good effect in his new ministry. He'd been the right person for the new job at the right time. It wasn't easy for my friend listening to God and placing God's call above his natural instinct to favor his, his daughter. But God, who could see into the future, knew what was best and made everything work out for good for my friend who showed his love for him by obeying the call to move. And we all know that famous verse, Romans 8.28. We know that all things work together for good for those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. I've called this talk today, once for all, all for one. Once for all, all for one. For most of us, there should actually be a question mark after all for one. Because are we truly willing to love God with everything at our disposal? Will you indeed love the Lord your God with all your heart? And with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. When you're faced with the pressures of the world, the peer pressure at work. When you're faced with your ambitions to do this or that by that stage. Let alone the interests of your family. Maybe it's the demands of work. The business pressures. Your desire to make yourself financially secure by your own bootstraps. Maybe it's that, those things or other things that are crowding out God's call to you. Maybe it's that you've heard God calling you to move here or to change direction and do this or serve in a particular way. But that would mean sacrificing other things that you love doing with your spare time, with your life. Maybe, as we did last week, we need to remind ourselves of what God has done for us. That Jesus, once for all, gave us the gift of salvation. Listen again to Hebrews, our epistle reading, which Rachel um, read earlier. But when Christ came as a high priest of the good things that have come, he entered once for all into the holy place. Not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption, eternal salvation 
for us. And then verse 13 from the Passion Translation. Under the old covenant, the blood of bulls, goats, and the ashes of a heifer were sprinkled on those who were defiled and effectively cleansed them outwardly from their ceremonial impurities. Yet how much more will the sacred blood of the Messiah thoroughly cleanse our consciences? For by the power of the eternal spirit, he has offered himself to God as the perfect sacrifice that now frees us from our dead works to worship and serve the living God. God has given us the most precious gift of all, salvation through himself. Knowing that we are forgiven and have a place with him when we die in heaven. It's of course wonderful. But God wants to give us much more than that, believers. Yes, you're assured of a place in heaven because you invited Jesus into your life. But he wants you to bring heaven to earth now. To be a living embodiment of his spirit, of his presence in you. He wants us to, wants to give us all of himself. And the love, joy, peace that stems from that. If we commit to the same covenant with him like the Jewish people. If we love him. And as we love him, then we can share his love with a hurting and desperate world. What is that covenant? Well, we didn't hear the Old Testament reading immediately before the talk. But you said it at the beginning. Now this is the commandment. The statutes and the ordinances that the Lord your God charged me to teach you to observe in the land that you are about to cross into and occupy. So that you and your children and your children's children may fear the Lord your God all the days of your life. And keep all his decrees and his commandments that I'm commanding you so that your days may be long. Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe them diligently, so that it may go well with you, and so that you may multiply greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, has promised you. So that's the the covenant before the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your might. Keep these words that I'm commanding you today in your heart. Keep these words that I am commanding you, so that your days may be long, so that it may go well with you. God is not asking us to place him first in our lives, so that we suffer Now suffering may come our way because of persecution for the name of Jesus. But he invites you to place him first in your life so that you might be a light in the darkness, an extension of Jesus into the world. Now it's not about material wealth or earthly power or the fulfillment of our ambitions. So God may give you those to bless you so that others may be blessed through your generosity. No, it's about the certainty 
the peace, the contentment, the joy, the love he floods you with when you're obedient to him. You see, even death, and the world is frightened of death from COVID-19, even death ceases to be nothing to be feared when we know and have a relationship with God now. Now don't get me wrong, I don't want a painful death. I don't want a long transition in pain. But I know that what lies beyond is better than anything here on earth. Because his presence, his light is utter wonderful. I've shared before with you what overtook my fear of death. It was just a millisecond glimpse and the sense of peace, joy, love. We, We can't even begin to fathom how wonderful heaven is. How wonderful is the presence of God? What could be better than his glorious presence for all eternity? But he's got a job for you right here on earth. Right now. He's got a job for each one of us. Yet many, like myself in the past, refuse, if we're honest, to obey that first commandment to love him above all. All else, let alone obey the second commandment to love our neighbors as ourselves. It came to me that one stumbling block for many believers is the area of money. And perhaps that's why, after healing, Jesus talked so much about money and wealth in the Gospels. Many of us refuse God's call to us in Malachi 3 to tithe. To give a tenth of our income to the place of worship God has called us to be in our church. We can come up with every excuse. But God has the last word. As I mentioned in November's Crofton Courier. Malachi 3 verse 8. Will anyone rob God? Yet you are robbing me, God says. But you say, how are we robbing you? In your tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, so that there may be food in my house. And thus, put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. And see if I will not open the windows of heaven for you, and pour down for you an overflowing blessing. I won't repeat, ask me another time how God did that for me in my life. I was 23, 24, spoke to me about my giving. And I've never regretted it. Because the blessing that comes from him, his protection, not necessarily financial, though he's always made sure we've never gone without. But the blessing that comes from his presence, his favor, It's worth more than any gold can buy. Sometimes we wonder why our prayers, our cries fall on deaf ears. Now don't get me wrong. Our God is merciful. He's not a vengeful God. He doesn't keep exact accounts. Lord, if you mark our transgressions, who would stand? Some of you remember that song. Lord, if you mark our transgressions, who would stand? God is a God of grace. He doesn't look at our failings. But the trouble is we often want God's grace, which he provides abundantly, but don't want the corresponding requirement to obey what he commands us to do. 
Um, I was, somebody sent me this story recently which amused me. It's, it's a bit like the vicar who parked his car in a no parking zone because he was short of time and couldn't find a space with a parking meter. He put a note under the windscreen wiper that read, I've circled the block ten times. If I don't park here, I'll miss my appointment. Forgive us our trespasses. When he returned, he found a parking ticket along with this note. I've circled this block for ten years. If I don't give you a ticket, I'll lose my job. Lead us not into temptation. <laughs> we all want grace and we want grace. That vicar was seeking grace. But he was reminded he had to fulfill obligations. The law is the law. The command is to put your money in the parking meter. Thankfully, God will forgive our trespasses because of the sacrifice Jesus made once for all on the cross. But there's so much more he could use us to do for the kingdom of God in our earthly lives if we are willing to make him sovereign king over every area of our life. All for one. Are we prepared to give all for one? Question mark. We're going to pray now. We're going to pray for a fresh release of faith and boldness because we all need that infilling. When we're crying, praying, singing, spirit fall, God is filling us afresh with faith. He's turning dry bones into flesh and bone and life. And I feel led this morning to use Ephesians 6, the whole armor of God, as part of our call to prayer. And I'm going to read it. And then in that last section, we're just going to go into a time of open prayer. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his power. Put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For our struggle is not against enemies of blood and flesh, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore take up the whole armor of God so that you may be able to withstand on that evil day and having done everything, to stand firm. Stand therefore and fasten the belt of truth around your waist and put on the breastplate of righteousness. As shoes for your feet, put on whatever will make you ready to proclaim the gospel of peace. With all of these, take the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit which is the word of God. Pray in the spirit at all times, in every prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert and always persevere in supplication for all the saints. I'm going to ask Mike now, surprising, to just pray spirit for the tune to that. Let's stand and we're going to pray and ask the Lord that he gives us that desire for more of him. That we are people who be prepared to give all for one.
to place him preeminent above even our loved ones, even our jobs, even our wealth, our possessions, to place him first and foremost. You don't have to worry about the rest because he has your best interests at heart. So let's stand. And I'm going to invite you. I'm going to start. I pray in tongues. Join me. Pray in English. Pray in Swiss German. Pray whatever language you want to pray in. In, in Yoruba. In, in English. But pray. Open your mouth. And ask God for more of himself. And ask that you might be completely surrendered to him. Because all of us need to do that daily to surrender ourselves afresh. So come Holy Spirit, come transform us from within. Let your spirit fall upon us. Pray out aloud in English, pray in whatever tongue. Let the presence of the living God transform us, Lord. Let the presence of the living God awaken dry bones and dry hearts. Come, Lord. Come, fill us afresh. Make us those who are prepared to give all for one. All for one. Spirit fall. Spirit fall. Spirit fall afresh. Water, water the hard ground of our hearts. Make us obedient. Make me obedient, Lord. Make me compassionate. Make me loving, just like you, Jesus. Make me like you. And they just want to say to somebody, thank you. Thank you for reaching out, stretching out with your little faith. Stretching out with your little faith. He says, thank you. Thank you. The God of heaven thanking you. Thanking us for reaching out to him. What a wonderful God we serve. behold I'm making all things new I'm making all things new I don't know who needs to hear that today I don't know how you've come in but he's making all things new he's making all things new that's his promise to you Father I ask for another gift raise more prophets raise more interpreters of languages in our midst for the glory of your name.
Thank you, Father. Spirit, fall. Fall on thirsty hearts. Fall on open hands. Fall and give new life. We bless you and we thank you. Amen.